Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello and welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, the world's foremost resource of left-wing rugby chat that mainly doesn't talk about rugby, uh, or as a recent review stated, great content, but overly negative and tedious, which I'll level with you. Those two things don't add up. Either it's great content, or it's overly negative and tedious. Yeah, like I do. Yeah, maybe the, the, maybe, maybe they like it that way. Maybe there's an yeah. Maybe there's a there's an overlap <laughs> that they love tedium. Yeah, they just fucking love being bored. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I mean, I and they I love negativity. I mean, to be fair, I do love negativity, as anybody <laughs> who's ever listened to this podcast will know. Anyway. Um, I am Josh, your your regularly scheduled host Lee has, and I'm not even slightly exaggerating, much more important things to do this week. Um, so I'm once again in charge of the ship, and I'm once again joined by somebody who I think it's fair to say is one of the world's most beloved uh, rugby analysts slash comedians. It's it's Robbie <laughs> Owen, aka Squidge Rugby. How's it going, Robbie? Yeah, all right. You've overbuilt me already. Um, wow. I would have been built myself as tedious and not negative enough for this podcast <laughs> not nearly negative that's why we got that's why we have to get you in when lee's not here just to yeah. kind of balance it out a little bit <laughs> without spoilers um i came to do my shit goods for this week and mm-hmm. i realized i only had one shit and had to really try and pad it out because i i want to fit in you know i want to be like the cool kids on the bus tell you what some weeks it's really easy to do the shits yeah. And I mean, both biologically and wow. in terms of this, this podcast. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. 
and some weeks you, you you've got to put a bit of effort in because sometimes it's a good weekend. I think genuinely think this was a very good weekend. This ha- quite a, I, there's not a lot to complain about this weekend. Yeah. I feel I had um, to really eat some wheat in order yeah, to get them out. Yeah, you yeah, needed that roughage. Out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fibre is important. So you don't, Absolutely. Don't let it be said that we're not, in, in addition to being negative and tedious, we're not also providing the great this public is, service. This is the great content. The yeah. great content <laughs> is, is great diet content. chat. <laughs> oh, it's not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so moving rapidly on, uh, how was your how was your weekend, Robert? Yeah, Actually, given right. given given how the government. What the government's currently announcing as we're recording this on mm. Tuesday evening. Uh, maybe I should rephrase that as how was your last weekend of moderate normalcy? Yeah, my, my last ever weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I did as I will probably do for the next however long and sat indoors watching rugby. Um, I found out of toilet paper. Like after, after buying <laughs> some, like the week before lockdown, mm. I bought a load of toilet roll. Yeah. And I felt quite smug about that. And I Rightly finally so. ran out this weekend. Uh, which is too much information but we were talking about shit anyway so it's too much information and yet people are panic buying again so you've timed that spectacularly wrongly yeah it was mostly gone when I went to Tesco like I was buying one of the last one of the last last mega why are people so thick (laughs) I like we all had enough we all we all went through this five months ago Mm -hmm. where toilet roll was a right pain in the fucking arse pardon the unintentional joke yeah, I, that's where you got to buy good toilet but we all but we all discovered that after a couple of weeks if you people stop being fucking mm. lunatics about it it just goes back to normal yeah pasta still fine though you know still plenty of pasta but yeah. toilet roll they're going that was it that was the one people made jokes about last time that wasn't so. The one that was I'm not going to get. Ca- I'm not going to get caught short this time. It's like, <laughs> what's wrong with you people? I've still got like, yeah. like, and the, but then what they do is they force normal people to buy more than they need because you know, well, because of dickheads, I might not be able to get this next time I come in here, so I'm going to buy twelve instead of yeah. four, and that just exacerbates the problem. That's it. You make you make pricks out of all of us. I remember talking to my friend about the time of the first lockdown, uh, my my one token friend, uh, who said that she was in that position of needing to buy lots of toilet roll because she lives with two other people. Um, mm. But also <laughs> just not wanting to look like she was panic buying. So yeah, oh, I feel that. So yeah, buying yeah. Like, tiny amounts of toilet roll so that people wouldn't judge her at the <laughs> checkout. <laughs> but lots of it, just going in seven times yeah. a day and just buying a four roller every time. You go yeah. by Tesco, you go by Sainsbury's, you go by Asda, <laughs> you buy four from each and you're stocked up safely. I tell you where I'd shit loads of fucking toilet roll last time mm. this whole shit was happening. Waitrose. Waitrose had oh, shit loads. Oh, okay. Okay. I went, I mean, oh, I fucked myself now, haven't I? But, like. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is a hill I'll die on, though, that toilet roll is one of the handful of goods that you should always buy good quality. I completely agree. You will use more toilet roll if you buy poor shit shit. toilet roll. Toilet, Damn yeah, right, exactly. you will. If you buy a shit toilet roll, it's done a job already. You know, it's already covered in it. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> cheap joke. Um, unlike the toilet roll, not cheap. Yeah, buy quality toilet roll. Well, quality. It lasts How- longer. However, like we bought just sort of like standardly decent levels of toilet yeah. roll. You know, the, the decent stuff from Asda. And then during the the pandemic, when they basically mm. just sent sent you anything that was in stock. We got, we got, yeah. we kept on getting sent sort of quite expensive quilted toilet tissue, Ooh. and I tell you what, it does cost a lot more, but yeah. it's a, it's a lovely ride. You as feel a, it, you know, you? you really yeah. do. You can feel that extra, you know, pillowy softness. It's just delightful. Yeah, there's, there's nothing left behind. 
Yeah. Oh, it's glorious. <sighs> Wonderful. Stuff. Anyway, I can't imagine yeah. how last time you came on, me and you managed to tip over the two-hour mark. Um, la- la- last time we had to do some real five out of ten Tiff Eden riffing um, to get over. I don't think that'll be a problem this well, week. This um, time, by now, we were talking about George Shooter's ass rather than our own. So I think, true. Yeah, we probably this is better this is, or worse. This is, more, this is a more personal podcast. <laughs> this is this is our, like like stripped back Edinburgh show. Should <laughs> we go into personal details? We we mine the depths of our own sanity and misery for your benefit. <laughs> my shit is my parents' divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, oh god! Imagine that mm. for the last half hour of this podcast. Let's got to go there. Speaking of people who've proved themselves to you know be uh, in in the darkest realms of their own psyches, uh, Tiff Eden demonstrated in the weeks since because uh, he was making his debut that week mm. that he's really bad at rugby. So. So maybe he we feels... should pick another guy to be like relatively unknown to, to make yeah. his debut this week and then see if we can't fuck up that guy's career this evening by being <laughs> mean about him as well. Semi Randrandra, you know. I don't know if he's up to much. <laughs> I think that might even be beyond our powers to oh. make semi shit. It's worth Look a go him. though, isn't it? Like, no, maybe it's he can not. Have one bad game. Why would we do that to ourselves? Fair I point. just want to watch Fair Semi point. be brilliant forever. The week they play the Ospreys. Um, which oh yeah, never yeah. happen because no. they'll be in separate European competitions <laughs> forever. But you know, one day maybe. Yeah, if Simon Thomas gets his his British and Irish league, maybe we might get to get dicked by Bristol some point in the future. By which time, Sammy <laughs> will probably have retired. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on. Um, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, obviously you can uh, follow Lee on Twitter at Blood and Mud, where his DMs are open. Uh, Contact him at lee at bloodandmud.com. Uh, contact me at Josh Gardner or indeed check out rugbyshirtwatch.com. Uh, how do people find your cool shit, Robbie? Um, my cool shit is in the toilet, now wiped away with toilet roll. <laughs> uh, no, so I can Honestly, roll and roll on that. We're gonna, toilet roll and roll. The callbacks um, in this are going to be despicable. I can already uh, tell. Uh, at Squidge Rugby on Twitter or at Squidge, Squidgy Goat for mostly, it'll be moaning about the government and that. Um, and then uh, Squidge Rugby on YouTube as well moaning about the government and that is yeah. basically my my new personal brand I think but um, yeah. yeah I mean it's a lot of just like retweeting things I've said it better than I can and then the odd <laughs> quip about like Christopher Nolan I mean you're absolutely selling your your Twitter feed mate so <laughs> I, I, I gotta be honest <laughs> it's, that, that is why very significantly fewer people follow that one than the rugby one <laughs> um, if you want to listen to this podcast sans the adverts that sans why did I say sans I went I went very Welsh then and just put everything with a hard A sans the adverts um, and with a whole bunch of extra history podcasts and all a decade team of the decade podcasts other stupid but good stuff um, you can of course subscribe to the Blood and Mud Patreon which is uh as regular listeners will know and will be bored of us saying, is patreon.com slash blood and mud. Um, now, there are some of those people who pay the basic £2 a month for our Patreon, and we love you dearly for it, but some people, the elite, the true heroes, the kings and queens among men, uh, pay £4.50 a month for their entry into the Alley Brew Lounge, where they also get to have their name read out on the pod, uh, and you and me, Robbie, are going to tell you what kind of rugby player you'd be purely based on that name. So, if we only got two this week, which... After remember that time where we had to do about ten of them and it took about forty five minutes. I know, yeah. When you got two this week, 
Yeah, yeah certainly, certainly two this week is fine. So uh, the first uh, name we've got this week is Peter Moray or Moray. Uh, now, I thought that Peter sounded like a man who played 150 games for Ballymore. Uh, but the eel, as he was known, Moray Eel, yes, thank you, uh, for his slithery and elusive running style, uh, never quite managed to attract the attention of Wallaby selectors. Uh, he now sells ice cream makers internationally and has never married. <laughs> oh, I can see that. I can see that. Sorry to Peter, but I can see that. Uh, I had Peter as a utility back who won eight caps for England between 1969 and 1973. Murray was better known as a county cricketer who infamously once wore his cricket-wise out onto the rugby pitch by mistake, yet because he was playing on the wing, was able to make it to the crease two days later without them needing a wash. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, and the second name we've got this week is uh, George Hobbs. Now, who did you have for George Hobbs, Robbie? Uh, a former policeman officer who was offered a contract by Leicester Tigers aged 27 after a few years trundling away in the championship. Hobbs made a sensational debut in the October derby against Northampton Saints, scoring two tries and receiving man of the match from Sky Sports, leading to many pundits suggesting he should make the England squad for that year's QBEs, <laughs> uh, only for him to whittle away into mediocrity, only making occasional unmemorable appearances off the bench until an injury crisis a few years later gave him the run of games Stuart Barnes repeatedly said he needed those two years later. Lovely stuff. The Q- the QBEs was a, a, a lovely touch there. <laughs> Stuart Lancaster's favourite favourite tournament. Yeah, it's uh, like I, a cross pod callback. <laughs> I had George Hobbs uh, as he played outside half for England schools in Clifton College in the nineteen eighties. Uh, he then played five times for Cambridge University, and then went into the Foreign Office where he was instrumental in working out the finer points of the transfer of Hong Kong back to Chinese rule. <laughs> done i bet that came up a lot i bet his, his rugby career came up a lot exactly he, you know it wasn't by accident that he ended up in hong kong you know he definitely played a fair bit of sevens while he was out there but of he doesn't like to talk about it obviously yeah. i know the champions of the hong kong leagues uh their head coach is deacon manu so is it really yeah clearly they're attracting some you know talent some names i mean there's 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 cash there yeah, definitely. I can understand, but uh, yes. Yeah, so, so George, Peter, we hope you enjoyed your uh, your mildly uncomplimentary names. Uh, if you you want to have your name read out, uh, you can enter the Alley Brew Lounge at uh, patreon.com slash blood and mud. Now, some people have said <laughs> that we waste too much time on this podcast talking about other things that are not important. So, I thought I'd get straight to the important stuff this week, which is, of course, uh, this week's military animal. Yes. You know. And now, as you're a guest on the pod, Robbie, I thought I'd let you choose this week's military animal based okay. purely purely on his name. So you've okay. got a choice from three, right? Right. You've got Turpits. Tur- good, good, good start. It's a good Strong start. start. Chips. Okay. Solid. Or, or Just Nuisance. <laughs> I can't not pick Just Nuisance. Of course nuisance. you can't not pick Just Nuisance. Just Nuisance was the only dog to ever be officially enlisted in the Royal Navy. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Here this we is, go. Oh, this starts well. Can I quickly make a joke as well? Yes, uh, absolutely. Turpin's the only one that doesn't sound like a cop drama. There you are, move on. Very good. Uh, um, the wars, actually. There you are. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Turpin's was a great Dane who lived between 1939 and 1944 and served at HMS Africanda, a Royal okay. Navy shore establishment in Simonstown in South Africa. Um, the exact date of his birth is not known, um, but he was found... Uh, he li- like Barack Obama. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he was born in a village somewhere in Rondenbosch, and uh, he's now united the world. As yet, Just Newsons quickly became popular with the patrons of the institute, and in particular the ratings, who'd feed him snacks and take him for walks. He began to follow them back to the naval base in the dockyards, where he'd lie on the decks of ships when they were moored at wharf. His preferred resting place was at the top of the gangplank, and he was a large dog even for a Great Dane. He was, get this shit, okay. almost two metres tall when standing on his hind legs. <laughs> wow. Yeah, six foot six. Hold, yeah, I was going to say, like, how tall is Devin Toner? <laughs> I mean, he's slightly he's... shorter than Devin Toner. Yeah, but he's comfortably sl- taller than me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, so he his habit was to he would like to he'd sit at the top of gangplanks uh, and it's presented a sizable obstacle for those trying to board or disembark and so he became affectionately known as nuisance now wow nuisance was allowed to roam freely and following the sailors he began to take day trips by train as far afield as cape town which was nearly 20 miles away um but despite despite seaman's attempts to conceal him the conductors would often chuck him off the trains as soon as he was discovered um However, the dog, being a clever bastard, would then wait for the next train or walk to the next station and board the next train that came along and then meet up with the lads in Cape Town. Um, Amused travellers was occasionally offered to pay his fare. But get this for... I mean, I'm not going to say bad things about the South African government, but um, the state-owned railway company, South African Railways and Harbours, eventually warned his owner that nuisance would be put down unless he was prevented from boarding the trains or had his fares paid. That's a bit of a fucking overreaction. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry this, this funny dog is coming on the train all the time. We're going to have to have him put down. Yeah. It makes East Midlands Rail look reasonable. You know, just charging <laughs> 70 quid if you're not paying your fare. Yeah, it makes First Great Western charging 145 quid to go from Bristol to London fucking seem positively charitable. And yet, and yet, nothing. Arrivas Trains Wales still seems awful. <laughs> Nothing in comparison. No, absolutely not at all. Can I also add? Uh, I've just checked. This dog is the same size as Alan Wynn Jones. Yeah, he's a yeah Al- Alan Wynn dog, effectively. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, so the sailors basically were like, "Well, we don't want this dog to be put down, right? Hmm. He's a morale booster. The war's on. Be fucking reasonable." Yeah, but they would they wouldn't relent, and so naval c- command instead decided to enlist him. Because as a member of the armed forces, he'd be entitled to free rail travel, and so the fare dodging would no longer be a problem. So, (laughs) on the 25th of August 1939, his surname was entered as Nuisance, and rather than leaving the forename blank, he was given the moniker Just. His trade was listed. His trade was listed as bone crusher, which fucking hell, that's a bit strong. Yeah. (laughs) And his religious affiliation was initially put in as scrounger, which is funny. Um, but then was later altered to Canine Divinity League brackets anti-vivisection, which is genuinely funny. <laughs> I respect that. I respect yeah. someone putting a bit on a an official form. Yeah. To allow him to receive stand- rations because of his long-standing unofficial service, he was promoted from ordinary seaman to able seaman. <laughs> but he never actually went ashore. Uh, oh. although, although, however, he was wed to another Great Dane called Adinda, who produced five pups, two of which were named Victor and Wilhelmina and were auctioned off in Cape Town to raise funds for the war effort. Wow, so he got married unlike Peter Morrie and his ice cream makers. Yeah, basically, effectively that. Yeah. Uh, Nuisance's wow. service record was not very good, though. Aside from all okay. of the travelling on trains without a ticket, uh, he regularly went AWOL, 
lost his collar, uh, refused to leave the pub at closing time, and uh, he was sentenced at one point to having all bones removed for seven days for sleeping in an improper place. <laughs> now, I assume that means the bones that he ate, I, and yeah. he didn't have all of his bones removed, because that's like grotesque. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> They're slowly reaching and picking them out one by one. He also, he apparently also regularly got into fights with mascots of ships that put into the port, resulting in the deaths okay. of at least two of them, which, I mean, he's six foot fucking six Great Dane. Why he is anyone shocked? Oh he my killed God, Ruckley. He killed That's Ruckley. where Ruckley went. <laughs> he's the Thanos of this. Yeah. <laughs> he was turning up with his glove because he's bigger than Thanos as well. Just Thanos. <laughs> uh yeah he got into a car accident and gradually died um uh, which is very sad but was was uh buried buried with but no it's fine um oh. they bought them they bought them out of pure steel in those days didn't they barely noticed um he was buried with full military honors his body was draped in a royal naval white ensign uh had a gun salute and played the last post and there's a simple granite headstone that marks his grave which is on top of the hill at Claudwell, which is a uh, now the former south african navy signal school um, wow, and there's a statue erected in uh, Jubilee Square in Simonstown to commemorate his life. There was actually, uh, and there's also a little thing in in the local museum. There's been an annual parade of Great Danes in the town, from which a lookalike is selected <laughs> to play. Just nuisance. Very few humans get treated as well in death as, <laughs> as, as dog, just as, military, nu- as, as just a dog nu- called just nuisance was. <laughs> I level with you. There's a little photo of him on his Wikipedia page, uh, and he's wearing a little sailor's hat. And bless him, he doesn't look like someone killed at least two dogs. <laughs> so I, I say we give him the benefit of the doubt. Sure, sure. No, I can I can get behind that. Oh my god, that was his cap. What was he? What, what? As as any as like just like any other able seaman, just mm-hmm. nuisance was got included a a sailor's cap in his uniform. Wow. Glorious stuff. So he had a hat. <laughs> this is a dog that owned a hat. <laughs> a murderous dog who dodges <laughs> train fares and owns a hat. Let's give him a full military funeral. Honestly, I think that I'd sounds about him. right. <laughs> so there you have it uh, this week's war animal military animal was uh, just nuisance I was wanting R.I.P. to contribute to war animal um, I've got a friend who works with PDSA and recently oh. told me about an incredible sounding war animal um, and unfortunately I've been told it's embargoed so there's <laughs> <laughs> there's embargoes on war animals Honestly, I'm not allowed to talk about we it we can't Everything's embargoed these days, but uh, yeah, I, 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 that's a lovely little sort of tease to next week's. He's going to have to be next week's war animal. I'm now, have to, I'll, I'll send all details over. <laughs> uh, so we move swiftly on then to uh, you know every now and then we like to have a bit of correspondence. We started doing this over the last few months, and it's just proved some quite interesting questions. And this this week's question comes in from uh, Edinburgh Rugby, well you know friend of the pods and. and uh, excellent Edinburgh rugby fan account uh, they said here's one for you lads what position do you think you could get away with in a top level rugby match and for how long e.g. the risk that 15 is called into action right from the kickoff slash and or the ball is returned with interest I'm thinking that centre is the safest place though if the opposition takes the kickoff mm. and if I have a forward run at me and I'm in the yeah. centre mm. I'm not I'm not getting away with that that's not <laughs> happening um having thought about it for a few moments um so i i've been doing this video on the brighton miracle game on the japan mm. game uh you tomorrow comes off the bench plays 10 minutes and he touches the ball once 
and during that time uh, Japan have most of the possession and he just stands there telling everyone what to do and pointing and shouting I could do that <laughs> that's that's my yeah. role yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I like that you know, his only touch is when he spots Kuni Hayes against him and he steps him and goes through and you know, makes like a half break that's it that's, that's, that's what it. I want my role to be I'll stand yeah. I'll shout for 10 minutes and then I'll maybe make a you know I'll find a fatty and I'll I'll, 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 I'll take right. no contact to use yeah, no, out of no contact whatever indeed yes. I'm going to press you this by saying that I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't make it through the fucking warm up warm up without getting hauled off never to return oh. but if by some miracle I made it onto the pitch purely on the basis of size and weight I'd chance my arm at prop and I'd last literally however long it took for me to get steamrolled by a much bigger boy <laughs> or if I could somehow just sort of like hang around the fringes of the ruck and just push people down and not get cleared out and not sort of, you know, just kind of loiter with intent, then I'd last until whenever the first scrum was, when I'd get my head permanently shoved up my arse and I'd never return. (laughs) That's probably it, isn't it? You want to be in a position where you're not expected to do anything except flop on rucks. Yeah, you're hanging around the fringes of the ruck. You wait for sort of the second guard. Yeah, like second or third man in, aren't you, every time? And so you let let the open side or whatever fucking take him down and then... You sort of go over the top of the ball and just go straight off your feet. Obviously, <laughs> who yeah. cares if you give away a penalty? This is about survival. And <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. So yeah, what do you, what do you think, listeners? How long? What what position would you survive the longest in? Personally, let us know. You know, Lee at Blood and Mud dot com or on on the tweets. Having played rugby on the wing, though, I mm. know I could probably last full games without anyone noticing I was there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, about the ball yeah. never getting that far. In yeah, I mean, if you were playing in a sort of England circa 2007 team, you'd literally yes. you'd be fine for the full 80. That ball would yeah. never come near you. Providing the opposition centres can't pass either, you're fine. You're golden. <laughs> Which, in that sort of 2007 to 2009 period, absolutely oh. fine centres didn't yeah. pass it was not a requirement of a centre to pass apparently <laughs> absolutely not. which is so weird looking back 10 years on and was probably weird looking at it 10 years beforehand <laughs> well, I mean weird... it should have been weird at the time but yeah rugby went very weird in the mid in the sort of mid half of the first decade of the 2000s let's not beat around the bush yeah, that's a whole other conversation. You know, Indeed. I, I won't, I won't get into that. But yeah, let's not get in some hardcore ELV chat. People haven't asked for that. <laughs> Nobody's come here for that. Oh, I, that's that's most of my Tuesdays. I don't want this one to be just just another. Uh, now we start as we always do uh, with a player spotted, uh, and this one is from Miles Burley on the email, and he said this is an older player spotted, however. Uh, Back in 2017, me and my wife were sat in a business class lounge at the International Airport in the Maldives. Mm. He says, coming back from our honeymoon, so excuse the excess. Uh, a small child was bombing around the place getting disapproving looks from the regulars, just as we think someone's about to say something. Around the corner from the buffet comes a freshly retired Thierry Dusator. Wow. To collect his child and take him back to where his partner was sitting. I bet he scooped that child up with understated brilliance and efficiency as well. <laughs> Like, yes. he wasn't showy, he wasn't fancy, he just scooped him up and took him away. He scooped him up 36 times. <laughs> Thierry Ducetois, right? Mm. Was he much better than he seemed, or was he overhyped by the fact that there weren't a lot of brilliant open side flankers in the world at that point? They weren't called Richie McCall. <laughs> well, I, you know, McCall always regards him as the best player he ever faced. Mm. Um, and I think that probably says a lot. Um, I... 
I think he's... The, the thing about Thierry Dussetois is he put in two of the greatest performances of all time. Yes, that's um, very true. In, you know, one in a quarterfinal, like, incredibly famous quarterfinal, and another in mm. a literal World Cup final. Um, he was unbelievably good in that game. Like, yeah. terrifyingly so. Like, as probably the best performance I've ever watched many individual player live. You know, I didn't watch that 2007 mm. game live. Um, mm. It was unbelievable just watching him and having watched it back since and just bit I just, um, and it you know, I don't know if you off. can overhype a player who's able to put that in he wasn't like that every single game he played no I think um, that was the thing it's like occasionally you would have games where you would go fucking hell he's incredible yeah. and then the rest of the time you'd be like yeah he's pretty good like yeah I, I mean I'm not going to knock you I do so well but like if you're picking a team on the best they could possibly play yeah an all time team um, if you're probably picking an all-time team on average performance, he probably makes us, you know, he, he's in the all-time French team. Um, yeah, 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 agreed. Whether or not he's in the all-time World 15, uh, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah. But, yeah, you know. it's, 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 an interest, it's an interesting debate that could go on for a lot longer than we should probably go on for now. So yeah. we, should, we should probably leave it there. Um, news. Let's do some news. Thank you for sure. that, by the way, Miles. Uh, first bit of news... Um, Bernard Laporte, Mohamed Altrad, and some other senior rugby figures in France, including the head of the uh, France 2023 Rugby World Cup, um, have been taken into custody for quench- uh, questioning by the French financial police. Which, yeah, I mean, it's not great, is it? So, this <laughs> and an official from the, the vice president of the Georgian Rugby Union shooting a player. Fuck me, that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great it's, week for. But- Rugby, rugby off the field, the continent, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you, someone just put the Italian rugby union on lockdown. Like, don't let yeah, anyone those guys, get by anything can happen. Absolutely, yeah. anything can happen. Just, just be very, very careful. This is what Georgia do the moment they get into a major tournament. They get so excited, they start <laughs> yeah, shooting they start each shooting other. Shooting each other. Uh, yeah, that's a remarkable story. That, like, also the fact genuinely that, bizarre and remarkable. I yeah. don't understand it. Not to ignore the story you just brought up, but I love the fact as well that he shot one of the Georgian Sevens team, which I didn't even know was a thing. Like I, I, did, I imagine they must literally have seven Sevens players in Georgia. You shot somebody from a team that nobody knows they exist. <laughs> How have you managed that? <laughs> but clearly, right, if he's looking at the lineup of all the Georgians he could possibly shoot, he's kind of going, like, there's 30 front rowers, there's a couple of massive blankers, yeah. there's the Gogodas and, you know, so on of the world. And then he goes, there's that one sevens line over there. That one guy who plays for the sevens, he's probably my best bet, isn't he? <laughs> to prove a point. Yeah. <laughs> Shoots him in the leg. I mean, it's obviously not funny, really. It's no. dreadful. Um, but, but it is absolutely absurd and a bit yeah. funny. It's it's just I didn't realise Steve Diamond had moved to Georgia. <laughs> it, I mean, it makes me really, really glad for your sake as much as anybody else's that uh, Britain <laughs> has very, very stringent firearms regulations. God, I know. I know. If I walked around Manchester again, you know, oh. Oh. <laughs> assuming it isn't illegal because of lockdown. I can just imagine Steve Diamond with a sniper in his sights <laughs> lining me up. I suddenly see a red dot appear. The, the second that you set foot in Salford. <laughs> yes. All over it. I Although Sale aren't being allowed to go back to Sale now, are they? Are they? The, they? No, they wanted to move back to the... Right. They're, stuck, they're stuck in their sort of horrendous car park. Oh. Um, 
for the foreseeable because they wanted to build the new sports village and the council just went, you know what, no. <laughs> There's a fucking pandemic on, lads. We're not giving you millions and millions of pounds to build a sports stadium here. Go That's away. That's not really a surprise, is it? You know, it shouldn't be a surprise. Other than Big Steve. No, which is why it's very hard to, to do rugby unless you are a billionaire. Which brings me back to Mohamed Altras, yes. uh, who is, of course, uh, this is all to do with allegations that Bernard Laporte used uh, his influence with French rugby's disciplinary people to uh, get a fine that Montpellier, which uh, Altras owns, obviously, over some salary cap shenanigans reduced. Um, he's currently running for the head of the F- uh, re- He's got an election next week. <laughs> To wow! Be, uh, to be re-elected for the head of the FFR, uh, and as perhaps unsurprisingly claimed that it's all being done for political reasons to discredit him, but it does make you sort of look at this kind of tangled web of connections between Laporte and Altrad, and Altrad is worth three point six billion dollars, by the way, wow. um, okay. which is not not which pisses all over Murad Bujalal money, to be brutally honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, so his company, Altrad, is, is, is France's main shirt sponsor. Uh, he was also, and the company were the driving force and sponsors behind France 2023. Um, and at the time of his alleged meddling in 2017, um, Laporte had some sort of like image rights agreement with Altrad's company as well to do work for them. So right. basically, French rugby never makes it fucking easy or straightforward, do they? No. Like, and, you know, every time you think they're finally getting it together, you know they're, they're building like this, this World Cup. They've got a, a sensible coach in place. They've got this good crop of young players. Amazing they're, crop of young know, players. Yeah, yeah. They seems to be doing everything someone, right. Yeah, in Laporte, really high up in world rugby. You know, as the, mm. the vice chairman. That's the yes. Yeah, he's also the vice chairman of world rugby, which is. Uh, uh, like he's being left out as well. Like no one's mentioning yeah. that <laughs> when they're saying he's been arrested. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just it just keeps think, getting better do you and better. Think Gus Picho is the one that organised this. <laughs> <laughs> he wants his job back. He's fucking Corleone, this fucker, isn't he? He's gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, everybody involved is just being questioned and interviewed at the moment. Nobody's found guilty of anything for, you know, legal, not getting sued reasons. Nobody's been found guilty of anything yet. However, it does make you think that maybe rugby shouldn't be prostrating itself quite so willingly at the feet of very, very rich men all the time. Because they tend to have. Like expectations and agendas you'd think although at the same time it's going to continue especially oh, 100%. with COVID and especially oh, yeah. with the way no and it's almost another news story is no 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 union no club has any money whatsoever no you know, well I've, I mean that, that takes us that's a lovely segue into the next news story for the, which is of hmm. course the UK government's latest coronavirus measures basically putting the kibosh on anyone attending a live rugby match in Britain until April. Yeah, seems that like seems Except likely. Looking six months likely, which, which is uh, a long time. It's if you're a basically like... looking at a full year in which clubs don't have fans coming through the gates. Yeah, and there's and only spe- so much money you can make from shirts and from paying to have a a, a cardboard cutout in the stands and so on. Yeah, and brought you know broadcast rights and Amazon and all of this stuff. You know, mm. government. There were some events supposed to happen. Bath versus Gloucester tonight was supposed to be a trial event for letting fans in. Mm. Um, Bristol planning to do it with their next home match as well, and that's now all been kiboshed and cancelled at the last minute as well. Um, it means the eight nations and the six nations this autumn are going to happen without fans in the UK. I don't know about France and Ireland, obviously. Um, 
and you really wouldn't bet on the Six Nations next year having fans either at this rate. And yeah. I get it. Like <laughs> nobody is more into taking COVID seriously than I am, friend. I've had it. I don't want to get it again. <laughs> However, it just feels so like sport in particular. Like hmm. I don't. I, I just find it hard to believe why an open air sporting event is considered more dangerous than allowing everyone and his dog to crowd into a pub for three hours to watch it yeah, down the yeah, road. Exactly. Like, like it doesn't I, make sense to me. Obviously, you can't let 80,000 people oh, take every seat in the Millennium Stadium on Twickenham or somewhere. Um, and I think maybe that's what people imagine when they think sporting events. You know, you think of it being a huge mm. crowd and you think yeah, whenever you you're go thinking you super spreaders. the way out. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, when actually you look at the crowds that have been allowed in France and in the handful of trial games at the Quinns one, um, Edinburgh... It's a thousand cetera, people at the Quinns where, one, you know? Exactly, yeah. It's been 500, 1,000. I think the most we've seen in any crowd was about 1,500, 2,000. Um, mm. And that's controllable, you know? Yeah. Far more so than you I mean, walk into pubs, during, especially during the kind of eat out to help out thing, not to get onto that as a side oh note. Boy. But there yeah. were pubs that were completely round that every table was taken. Yeah. That is so much more dangerous doing that indoors than... A hundred percent. Well, they, they, you know, they've said that the risk of transmission indoors is dramatically higher than being mm. outdoors. And obviously there are bits of sporting venues that are indoors that you can't make outdoors. Yeah. Toilets, for example. But, like, I don't understand how if you've had, say, 8,000 or 10,000 people in the Millennium Stadium, 75,000 capacity stadium, yeah. like, how much more easily could you get those people to socially distance and maintain sort of a safe environment for themselves than if those same 10,000 people try and go and watch it in a pub in Cardiff exactly at the same time like I mean I, it's, it's just it feels so backwards and it feels so damaging particularly to rugby rugby's yeah. fucked yeah. financially it already was and now it's proper fucked but because it's, it's in a weird position whereby it's big enough that it costs a lot to run yeah. That it's not going to be self-sustaining in the way football will be or athletics will be when you get an Olympics come around. It's yeah. It's it's the exact wrong size for dealing with something <laughs> yeah. like this rugby. It's like the Goldilocks of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's Which is also what I call a toilet ball. Yeah, it's you know it's it's too big to be to be a, a little minority sport that the government <laughs> could easily fund. <laughs> Yeah. And it's too small to be a billion dollar fucking NFL, NBA football. Yeah. Don't need the punt, you know, premiership football. Don't need the punters in sort of, we make fucking loads of money off telly and everything situation as well. And it's really scary for the, yeah. you know, the government is, you know, the RFU is already saying the government's going to have to bail rugby out if they want rugby to still exist, which for the plus side <laughs> for, you know, for rugby um, at least rugby is a sport that all of the fucking posh blokes in government probably like enough to in the same way that they you know they make special dispensations for shooting I'm I'm hoping that they'll be right on board throwing some of the public coin towards money towards rugby but you know the the last major sporting event in this country we know with a massive crowd in was England Wales with Boris Johnson in attendance yeah you know and and it feels, you know, I was at the, the women's game directly before that at the Stoop. Mm. It was mad to think, like, 10 days later, lockdown happened. Mate, I was that, record that week, proud of that yeah. game. The day after that game, I went to watch uh, Bristol Quinns. 
hmm. which yeah. was the last game of professional rugby played in Britain before lockdown. Wow. And, okay. um, you know, there was there wasn't a sellout, but there was like eight or 10,000 people in that stadium. Yeah. And, and I remember finding it funny that it was the first time I'd ever seen blokes go for a piss in a toilet in a rugby game and wash their hands afterwards. Uh, <laughs> because, because there was that level of awareness, but mm. not enough that... And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where I caught it. But, like, it's... Yeah, you know, there are ways and means that that could have been made so much safer with just, yeah. you know ins and outs and sort of you know restrictions of allowing people when you know staggering arrival times staggering yeah. leaving times all of these sort of things but and I, it's it's just it feels like such a sort of body blow to sport and you know not just sport but hospitality and live music and everything else yeah. to basically just yeah. go you'll be none there'll be none of you and you'll you'll lose a whole year's worth of potential income it's going to destroy so many of the things that we all yeah. like yeah. i.e arts sport and fun things yeah um, and you know i've been on kind of this dangerous watch of all box office figures with the way you know there mm. are lots of cinemas that won't survive this uh, oh, yeah. henry slade today saying and it, it's kind of the point i was going to get onto was it's the inconsistency of it you know mm. yeah, henry slade kind of... today was saying why is it cinemas and you know yeah theaters could be are allowed to open but sporting event can't have fans um and it's the fact no one quite knows what's going on. Um, no. And, you know, I want cinemas to be open because I, I want one of the few things that keep me sane to still exist. It's going to see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but at but the there same is time, definitely there's, a, there's definitely of... a, a valid question there that he makes that is, and, yeah. and nobody really seems to want to explain it. And I think that's the thing. It's like, I'm very on board with following the science and doing what we're told to make mm. things, you know, safer for everybody and try and get through this as quickly as fucking possible. Yeah. However, when there are things that don't seem to make any fucking sense whatsoever, <laughs> it would be nice if there was some sort of explanation as to why <laughs> why we can't have 8,000 people in a 75,000-seater stadium, but we can have, like, 25% full cinemas. Yeah. But it, it, you know, admittedly, it, as someone that's been back to the cinema quite a few times since they reopened, you know, I saw Tenet on opening day, and there was maybe, you know, maybe 30 people in, like, mm. a 200, 300-seat screen yeah that's the busiest i've seen it um but that was so like it, going that's just like going to the cinema yeah. in my local fucking cinema anyway before this but so yeah <laughs> like how, how yeah. drastically has that changed i don't know but <laughs> yeah. you certainly notice well, that's it because i'm used to yeah no I, I normally go on like monday afternoons when i know there'll be no one else there you know yeah which is the benefit of being self-employed is you go <laughs> you and see that. rom-coms yeah, yeah. at midday on a tuesday yeah. yeah that's my plan for tomorrow um yeah <laughs> but it's oh, i know um it's honestly one of the great joys um but yes Love anyway i don't know how oh, i know i it is literally my favorite thing to do i would do it five <laughs> or six times a week that's not even an exaggeration oh, so i could go to the um, cinema but i don't have to come or leave with somebody and it's quiet for the whole way through yeah brilliant. Same and you don't song, you up. don't need to know how you feel about it immediately afterwards <laughs> you know in that way yes, you come out and someone yes. says oh what do you think and you've kind of got to go I yeah, I thought it was good. You know, as you've got time to let it percolate and mm. and think on it. It's yeah. great. It's great. Anyway, yes. So the, this also has the knock-on effect that I don't even, have they officially confirmed it yet. But Wales is flipping, wandering in the desert, trying to find somewhere to play a rugby match. Uh, thing appears to be over. 
because there's nowhere, you know, they wanted to play it in Twickenham, they wanted to play it at the Olympic Stadium, they wanted to play it somewhere where they can have fans. And now that's fucking kiboshed. So it looks like they'll be playing the Autumn Internationals at Parker Scarlets now, which, because uh, obviously Principality Stadium is still, uh, is it still a hospital? I think they're what I think they were winding it down, but they might have to wind it back up again. Yeah, I think they mothballed it, but it was sort of like, oh well, in case of we'll have to keep it like this. And obviously, Cardiff, mm. uh, there aren't many places where you can actually play sport in a COVID safe way. Because I mean, yeah. we do get the pleasure of having all these people telling us that Wales should play at the Knoll or Sardis Road <laughs> if there's not going to be any fans in. Look, um, look, all I'm going to say is the park around the corner of my grandparents' house. Now has a proper bench the bench can sit on. If you're on the replacement, you've got somewhere to sit. I think they might even, since I was last there, have put up like a little cover. So they've got a little cover. Oh, wow. Which, frankly, Owen Farrell, Billy Vinopola, you know, all these World Cup finalists, they want to play there. That's, yeah. that's facilities up for the standards. Why not? Yeah, there's a little there's a little football pitch just down the road from me. They yeah. can stick some rugby pitch. It's even got two little, uh, little, little concrete sort of benches with little covers on either side. That they put a little oh. massive gate across, so you can't sit in them normally. But they'll take them out when, when there are actually teams playing. So you know, I mean, that's all Wales need, surely. Yeah, that's you don't it. need. That's you don't it. need. You what? don't need hot water in the. Sh- you don't need toilets. None of that it's, shit. Frankly, just exactly. You don't. You don't need that while you're on the pitch. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's not necessary. You can. You can get by without. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that park. I've just remembered this as a like local claim to fame. That mm. that park around the corner of my grandparents was Elliot D's old club. So we've got links to the WU already. Oh, so, perfect! You know, he he'll be comfortable. He'll be happy. <laughs> he'll know. Um, he'll know every blade of grass on that thing. <laughs> he'll be putting in pinpoint clearances. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Dan Parks in his prime, just spinning the ball on his finger the whole time, <laughs> just walking around the field, the manner. <laughs> This, um, when so, LED yeah. is named World Player of the Year this year, I can't wait. On the basis of playing man of the match performances on his local pitch around the corner of his nan, <laughs> and then people will say, people will say, people year. will look back at this conversation and go, you know what, we thought they were stupid at the time, but <laughs> in reality, who's really stupid now, eh? And we'll just, um, well, we'll be all right with it, you know. We won't yeah. be, we won't be smug. We won't rub it in. We'll just nod and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So much better than Sardis Road. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're not playing. Have you been to the Knoll recently? Seriously, uh, no. fuck I mean, me. I've it's not the, like it's basically overgrown. It's like something from The Last of Us. Like it's this like horrible, <laughs> like the world's worn away around it. Yeah, ten, fifteen years ago, the Knoll was quite a depressing place to watch rugby. <laughs> as soon as the Ospreys left, and it's not really any better now. Mm. We're not going to play a test rugby team there. I'm sorry, guys. We need showers. We need places for physios to go we need the ability to put tv cameras up these sort of things these these minor details that they've got tv they've got the one tv camera so that phil Steele can do quips <laughs> about it from one angle on yeah. scrum five <laughs> uh yeah and also apparently the fucking covid compliant stadium document is 60 pages long so i'm looking forward to seeing how they'd make <gasps> sardis road or you know somewhere in ebervale this that kind of compliant but anyway Yes, so Wales will be playing at Parker Scarlets, which will be weird, but half the fucking mm. team play there every week, so maybe it will add some semblance of an advantage. It probably won't. Yeah, and um, Wayne Pivak used to it 
etc. Yeah, he's probably still got his parking space there, so you know, <laughs> yeah, he'll be happy. Yeah, Stephen Jones, you know, just popping back home. Yeah, they can it's go. All good. It's all good. They can have Great a pre-match. Have, pre- have a pre-match meal at the uh, that restaurant that him and Dwayne Peel yes. have got. Yeah, Sospen, isn't it? Yeah. I've heard yeah. it's very I've heard it's very very good, but So have I. I kind of don't want to go because you know. Though, it's a long way to Slenefli, isn't it? Speaking of mid-noughties Wales players who own pubs. Hello. Gavin Henson is out of retirement. Fucking right he is. Yes. <laughs> He's playing who's he playing rugby league for? It's somebody really fucking It's like minor, the West Wales it? Warriors or something. Um because they a professional team apparently. Are they? Are they? I've, I mean, he was playing football for semi-pro team in Wales. Like, yes, he basically was. Play, he's, he's basically playing five aside for a team that he started yeah. with his mates. Um, Super Fox United. Yes, which, um, which is based out of his pub in St Bridesmaids right. of the Fox. Um, so yes, he is playing for. Uh, I don't know even. My, it's. I can't even. Yes, they're the Raiders. The rate right, yes. Uh, the West the, the West Wales Raiders. Um but the first thing that was said about this on mm-hmm. on Wales Online was Gavin Henson may finally realise World Cup dream with <laughs> <laughs> It's like lads they they play like they've played everywhere, the Raiders, right? They were, they were. Ah, okay. The West Wales Raiders were what was originally the South Wales Scorpions. Remember them? Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, mm. I do. So, so they they're start, the same team. Yeah. So they they started off in uh, at the Knoll, and then they moved to Caerphilly, <laughs> and then to Ma- then to fucking Mountain Ash, um, wow. and then wow. to my then <laughs> then to my stake, then over to uh, to Penydarren Park in Merthyr, and now they're in. Um, they're in Stebbenheath Park in Llanelli, which is I didn't even know that was a thing. Um but yeah, they're playing they play in League One in the RFL League One, which is, is professional, mm-hmm. but yeah. it is uh the third tier of rugby league. But do you in want Britain. a quote from yes, I fucking Wales do. Rugby League quote coach John Keir? Yeah. With my Wales hat on, I spoke to Gavin about eighteen months ago, but he needed a club. And if he's playing very well indeed, he could be considered. He admires the game, but he's obviously been out of contract and collision for a long time. That's why I'm pleased he's signed for a club. Uh, he then... Da, 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 uh, he's going to get to play with the best people. Oh, they've got Elliot Kia, who yeah. was the... Yeah, okay. He it was, you know, was decent. brief spell of the Blues, was yeah. the one good player for Wales in a Rugby League World Cup, whichever one it was I, I paid attention to. Yeah. Um, Henson's now 38. Uh, and we'll have his next birthday before he pulls on a Raiders jersey. Forty-year-old oh, Gavin Henson playing super, in the Rugby League World super Cup. Fucking, I mean, I don't care if there is uh, if fans are allowed or not. If Gavin Henson's playing, forty-year-old uh, Gav is playing for Wales at the Rugby League World Cup. Fucking sign me up. I'm there. Oh, me too. I'm there. Let's go together. Let's, yeah. let's. This is a pod outing or something, you know. <laughs> let's go and watch Gavin Henson yeah. play we'll rugby league. We'll sneak into whatever stadium. Where is the Rugby League World Cup next year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. It's probably Australia. <sighs> let's find out. That hadn't even occurred to me, but I'm willing to pay. <laughs> I'm willing to head over. I had been. It's 2021, before. the Rugby League World Cup, yeah? Yeah, okay. 
Okay. Uh, it's in England. We're all right. Oh! It's in England. Get in there. Yes. You got I don't very care. Excited, I'll go then. to. I'm very excited. I will go to Wigan. I will go to any other town in the northwest. Don't know be playing I'll t- it. I'll tell you who else is taking part in the rugby. There's a lot of teams in the Rugby League World Cup, right? Okay. In addition to all the usual suspects, we've got yeah, Greece. Hello. Okay. We've yeah. got we've got Lebanon, who are actually pretty decent. Right. Um, they made it to the quarterfinals in 2017 and making their debut in the Rugby League World Cup. Bloody Jamaica. Hello. Honestly, Hello. honestly, Wales, Jamaica, with forty-year-old Gavin Henson <laughs> at Anfield. That's Sign as me up. good as it gets, isn't it? Oh man! Actually, it, the only way it would, could get better is it's in one of the venues is the York Community Stadium, <laughs> which <laughs> how many does that seat? Uh, eight and a half thou. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I'm just saying, like, I imagine that Wales versus Jamaica, if such a thing existed, would not be in, you know, Old Trafford or the Emirates or Anfield. Sure. Probably not. However, it might be in the Lee Sports Village. You know, oh, that's very exciting. It might be in the Totally Wicked Stadium in St Helens. Who knows? The, the Rico Arena, Coventry. Okay. Oh yeah, the Rico's there. Yeah, well, we could okay. go to one. Of the, we could go to an incredibly soulless rugby stadium <laughs> to watch. That's not a rugby stadium. Let's be honest. Uh, I've been there once before to watch the Ospreys lose eighteen nil to Gloucester in a semi final of the, the Anglo Welsh Cup. I remember um, that game. It was bad. Um, this would be so much better because he Gavin Henderson plays Jamaica. <sighs> oh, hello. So Jamaica are based in Leeds. <laughs> in the tournament and Wales are based in Preston oh lads <laughs> is that you remember in 2015 when France got really uppity about being based in Croydon yes yes I do <laughs> no it was Slough wasn't it it was Slough oh Slough yes where yeah, they got yeah, really fuming day, about being stuck in Slough that's because they'd all watch The Office oh <laughs> terrible terrible news Wales are not in the same pool as Jamaica no okay I mean, have we got the pools yeah, so uh, Wales's pool would be Tonga uh, and Papua New Guinea. Wouldn't fancy a chance against either of those. No. Uh, and the Cook Islands, which could be okay. fun. That, um, yeah, that should be doable. Yeah, okay. So Wales, Cook Islands in the Lee Sports Village on the 27th of October next year. I'll see you there. Done. Done. Apps. And done. It's actually, that's actually Wales's opening game as well. So. Oh. Honestly, I'm really excited. This is the most I've ever been excited about rugby league. This is, the, I, likewise, I was due to go <laughs> pre-COVID, pre-all of that. Uh, you remember when uh, Wigan declared their game against um, the Catalan Dragons Pride Day? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, me and Nick Heath were going to go together and we were going to try and do something as an event <laughs> and we kind of spoke into like Wigan's press and stuff. Um but then, obviously, you know, COVID happened. It all happened. got to yeah. jeer as well for that. Nah. But it would have been great to be in the same room as him and just go, oi, you know, everyone on the internet says I wouldn't call you a cunt to your face, but here I'm going to do it. Yeah, but here I am. <laughs> and that's why people respect you, Robbie, because you back things up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Providing, you know, it's, it's, it's calling his reply a twat. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, Gavin Henson, rugby league future, great all star king. If Richard Hibbard can defect to rugby league as well, and yes. 
everyone else from the 2008-2009 Grand Slam team who can still walk. Kerry I'd Sweeney. Be, Kerry Sweeney could do it. Andy Powell probably fancies another go. Yes. Why not? Who oh. else could go? Um, Ian, Ian Evans would be all right. He's a good athlete. Yes. No, didn't he retire through something nasty? Yeah, he, he, was, run or he was fucked, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> um, who else would be good? I'm trying to think. Uh, who else was in that kind of mid naughty squad? A bit right. I'll tell you. McBride seems the know, kind of guy who'd love rugby. I'll, t- I'll tell you what would be great. What would be okay. really great. I mean, we all know what's going to happen after the Lions tour next summer, right? As much as mm-hmm. we don't want to accept it or admit it, Alan James is going to retire from the sport of rugby union. But the Rugby League World Cup is in October. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm get just the saying. gang back together. <laughs> get, get the, the, get gang the whole back gang back together. Get Mike Phillips oh, out of retirement. Mike Phillips yes. would be great at Rugby League. Mike Phillips would love it as well. He would. Like, what we're saying is that everyone else is treating this as a serious competition. For Wales, it's the Bermuda Classic. Absolutely. <laughs> Shane's probably up for it. He's in good nick. Yeah. <laughs> Get I him. can see... Yeah, Geth. I Get can him. see... Could... Shane, Shane could do the whole Jason Robinson thing for us. You know, except he's 40. I'm going to look up what the Wales Rugby League squad's like. I mean, it's probably because... a lot better than a load of 40-year-old blokes that haven't played in five years, to be fair, and have never <laughs> yeah. played the sport before. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wales are pretty shit at rugby league, to be fair. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they're going to have Regan Grace involved, presumably. So, right. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's in that, the current squad. That'll be exciting. <laughs> Imagine um, Gavin Henson and Regan Grace in the same team, and it's not the Ospreys. Be... <laughs> How sad is that? It would be odd. Um, okay. Okay, no, I'm looking at the squad. This is doable. We can infiltrate this with plenty of... There's already a Ben Evans there, so we can pretend it's the other one. Yep, um, agreed. Great. Morgan Evans sounds generic. You know, he sounds yeah. like he probably played Gav- for the Gavin Bennion, I mean, you can just say that slightly differently and it sounds like Gavin Henson anyway. So, yes. yeah. Uh, Josh Ralph. I just enjoy that as a name. It's a great doesn't name. doesn't sound right at all. He, nope. The amount of them I've clicked on are the born in Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> Gil Dudson, who uh, absolutely does not sound like a a guy who's grown up around here. Just Gil. Yeah. I've never met someone called Gil. No, no. I mean, he's from Trowbridge. Well, he's okay. from Trowbridge. Fair play to him. Oh, he's right, also I wrong. That what? Eight of the team don't have Wikipedia pages. That's always a good sign. So, I mean, yeah, I'm more surprised. I'm more surprised that how many of this team do have Wikipedia pages, given uh, how badly yeah. I assumed Wales were at rugby league. But people who like rugby league are going to listen to this and get very, very cross, aren't they? I know. I know. Oh, if well. Lee was here, be fuming. Oh, this is absolutely the best He'd time to have this conversation. Now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I well, honestly when, forgot. When I took the piss out of the Lee Sports Village, he he, he would have <laughs> gone right in there. Yeah, there was a a rugby league player recently who because it's still a thing in apparently in um, league recently said I played for Wales because I wasn't that good but I decided I hate it and I want to play for England instead and now I'm good enough a few weeks ago um, so I imagine that could be on the cards for all of these and Gavin Henson could walk in it's basically like England cricket and I, with you know how Irish players sort of will play for Ireland until they they used well at least that used yeah. to be the case would play until they were good enough. Yeah. Tyson Frizzell basically did the same, didn't he? Tyson Frizzell played for Wales 
and tilt for like six times and then they were like you're really good do you want to play for australia and they're like <laughs> yeah yeah i will actually i'll play like 20 times for australia wales's fourth top point score of all time is jiffy who won nine caps over two years he was That's fucking good at rugby like he, he, he was like, fucking he was, good but... at rugby league though like yeah. as good as he was in fucking union i think he might have been better at league which is saying a lot <laughs> The fourth top try scorer is Adam Hughes. I mm. thought, oh, is that the Dragons one? No, you click on it. It says Adam Hughes is a comic art, American comic artist and illustrator, best known Doubt for his work it. on Wonder Woman and Catwoman. Doubt it. Unless he's had a really interesting life. <laughs> really interesting. I, hope I, play, I, played rugby, I played rugby league for Wales, and now I do <laughs> Catwoman. His entire career... Right, his career is all, it's Harley Quinn, it's Wonder Woman, it's Catwoman, it's all female. So he just, just he likes drawing boobs, boobs, doesn't he? Just yeah, loves that's his. Boobs. That's fine. Uh, according to the dates for his rugby league career, he's been playing in his mid-40s, so there's hope for Gavin Hansen. <laughs> he could yet work on Wonder Woman. <laughs> Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Have we done enough of this? Have we done enough for rugby league chat? I think we have done enough for rugby league chat. Um, Let's rattle through the last of the news. Uh, Michael Rhodes has been cited for headbutting Robbie Henshaw in the second Mm. minute of the game on Saturday. Um, I think there's absolutely no chance he doesn't get a ban for this, but fucking who knows in this day and age, honestly. It was nasty. It would have been a very different game um, if he got sent off after two minutes, as he rightly should have. Um, And Mark Wilson will be captain in Newcastle on their return to the Prem next year, and 10 out of 10 to you if you'd forgotten that he was only on sale. A sale on loan last season, <laughs> which I absolutely did. I was like, oh, yeah. that one, he's banging it. Oh, okay. No, he, he looked uncomfortable at how south he was. Yeah, he didn't like it. Really didn't like yeah. it. That's why he didn't have a brilliant season and he lost his place at the England team. He's just, he only, he's got to exist above whatever the parallel is that is slightly above Manchester. Otherwise, exactly. he's just not happy. I remember Lee tweeting he'll get the bends going that far south. <laughs> and he did. And he did. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so unless you've got any news, I think that's the news. No, no, I Probably Gavin Henson the was the only news I wanted to talk about. Good. Well, <laughs> don't fucking blame you. Um, should we move on to the weekend then? We probably should. We yeah, we're an hour in. Should. Yeah. Um, th- what I learned from this weekend, right, is God, it's good to have meaningful rugby back. I know. Like, with the greatest respect to the weird zombie resurrection of the Pro 14 for a couple of weeks <laughs> and the Premiership's month-long experiment to see how many fans they can alienate with constant, uneven fixtures, it's just a breath of fresh air to watch proper, full-strength teams go at each other. God, I know. And it, like, like even, not that they even that good. Yeah, <laughs> Some of those games. Even that Scarlet's too long game, which by all accounts was probably a terrible game, yeah. I really enjoyed because the Welsh team was something to play for. Yeah. And I was properly, you know, standing up towards the end of the game and pacing yeah. around because it was tense. 
and yeah. I've so missed tense rugby. I haven't. I haven't felt tense watching rugby in ages. Yeah, and I like. I don't get me wrong. Like the total clusterfuck that COVID has created in terms of player load, downtime, and everything else is clearly being felt uh, mm. for months, and it's going to be felt rather for months because yeah. teams. Some teams feel like they're they're at very different stages of their conditioning and match prep to others. However. Like it wasn't Bristol's thirds against Dragons firsts or Saracens Academy kids against an understrength Leinster. It was proper, honest to goodness. This is the first, the best fucking team that we can cobble together here, and we're gonna go out a fucking hammer and tongs. And it's just been like <laughs> Leinster versus Saracens was probably the first time since lockdown that I've not felt like I was watching some kind of half-assed preseason game. That's it. Like, yeah, I was thinking this while I was watching that 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 game between Exeter and Bristol on like the Tuesday night or whenever it was. It's yeah. the only time yeah, since yeah, Six yeah. Nations was abandoned before this weekend that I felt like I was watching rugby rather than, you know, it did yeah. feel a bit like a charity match. And even like, then it was Exeter's second team. Yeah. You know, it was... Yeah, it, exactly. It was great to watch rugby that felt like it meant something. Even exactly, if yeah. Even if it was the world's smuggest rugby team going up against the world's <laughs> most unjustified victim complex. But it's, <laughs> yes. it, it was just, it, yeah, it, there was just something good all, about watching rugby that matters. Yeah, for all the worth of Super Rugby Aotearoa, like, it's enjoyable, but it didn't, something about how everyone was scoring tries all the time is less satisfying than watching <laughs> a try where the teams had to work for it. <laughs> for 80 minutes, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And also, it was just like, like even under you know they, they, I know they claimed that it was really intense and that it was really fucking mm. hammer and tongs but it just felt like they you know they were playing for a made up thing that had been invented two yeah. weeks ago there's no yeah. like there was just but no it, jeopardy there it felt knackering and intense in the way you know when you're a kid and you play like football or touch or whatever in the park mm. for like nine straight hours in the yeah. way that's knackering rather than yeah. the way playing a test match is yeah, it's exactly it's, basically I think what I've been missing is that I don't think I've watched a rugby game where one team the team that loses at the end of the game just seems psychologically completely destroyed yes and yeah. I absolutely saw that with the way that you know Leinster's players looked absolutely shell-shocked at the end of that game and devastated yeah. and I was like oh yeah to my veins I want <laughs> I yeah. want to see heartbreak I want to see devastation i want to see losing has to mean something or winning means nothing exactly so much of sport is this kind of emotional lottery that you enter yourself into yeah 100 players in particular enter themselves into and you haven't got that you know it's just kind of been this this really hollow exchange of nothingness uh and you know it's been fun it's been you know because you're like oh it really has it's like you know the woody allen joke about that's really problematic now actually to cite it about how um of what is it that like sex without love is a hollow experience, but as far as hollow experiences go, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what yeah. the restart of rugby's been like. You know? Exactly. But I, it's good. It's good to have. I, I'm not going to continue that metaphor. The phony, uh, the, phony but... the phony war is over, isn't it? That's yeah. what it felt like. Even the Pro 14 final felt. You know, we looked at how unbothered Leinster looked celebrating that win, yeah. and it's just. Yeah, a proper something that means something game. You and can't fucking you can't replicate that. Right from the start, from like that first scrum where Saracen smashed Leinster, it mm. felt like this is a game, you know. It's and a David Blackman game, made yeah. the comparison to the World Cup final, in which South Africa did that to England, 
and yeah, I was like, and you oh, were, ooh, we're ooh. well out. Um, and then it ends, both, you know, both were fairly similar games and fairly similar performances in a way. Yeah. They were dominant, but they did it for kicks of goal rather than actually dominating. Well, yeah, that brings me on to the next thing, what I learned. And I didn't learn it, but I just want to just say it. Uh, take the fucking points. Oh, I know. When did not When did not take taking the points become the default thing? I, I don't want to sound like I've got a vendetta, right, but I blame Exeter for this. Yeah. Because you remember that? Was it either last season or the season before where they were so good at scoring from line-out drives that they literally barely kicked at goal? all season yeah. and I, since then it seems like everyone and his mate thinks that like it's the Billy Big Bo- Bollocks thing to do to spurn a chance at three instead of f- going for the corner yeah and uh, I, I, I we had a, a version of this conversation in brief on Saturday but I, I think that teams going for the corner it's like the captain trying to prove he's hard you know mm. and it's like actually yeah 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 Often the thing to do, they say, "Oh, you know, we're going to back ourselves and go for the corner." Actually, the thing that backing yourself is going right. We're six points behind. If we take a shot at goal here, that we're only three us... points behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, suddenly, suddenly yeah. we're backing ourselves to score twice. Um, yeah. and it's like the Super Rugby Australia final, um, which I, you know, actually watched uh, and was weird because it felt it was the first time in either of those two Super Rugby competitions that I felt like again, like it mattered, like yeah. both teams were really going at it, um, and it was, was a it... good game. But Super Rugby Australia has been much less convivial than Super Rugby Australia was. Yeah. And I th- it, it's kind of been better for it, even though the quality is much, much, much worse. Um, yes. But yeah, it, is, it was weird that this was that Saturday was a day of teams just not kicking. God, I, I, I genuinely love for somebody with more time on their hands than I do to look at every single instance over the last couple of years where a team has spurned a chance to go at goal yeah. and gone for the corner. And then give me a fucking percentage on how often that works. This because I my, don't, it doesn't feel many. No, it was my point in the. I think about the Leinster game. Mm. Is there's a point in which it was 15 free and yeah. Leinster had a really kickable penalty and they go for the corner because Sexton wants to prove he's hard. Um, mm. And if they'd taken the points, put it at 15 6, yeah. that's solid. That's solid. Um, instead, right, they go for the corner. And actually, in that situation, Saracens have more to gain than you do. If Saracens hold it out, that's the game one. That's the game decided yeah. in their heads. It's like, actually, they can't get past us. They're supposed to be the best team in Europe. They've just won yeah. this league at a canter. We, they, can't, they can't score a try past us from five metres. Yeah. Right? Saracens have more to gain than that than you do. You can gain seven points, but they can win the game there. Yeah. Um, so take they the effectively shot. effectively did. Patient. Yeah. And that's the thing. They, uh, the moment they lost that game, what did you say? It was not when... You know, Saracen scored that great try, or when I mean, they but, aimlessly but the threw thing, it though, around that... for the last fifteen minutes in their own twenty-two. It was when they spurned three shots at goal to go for the corner instead of kicking the points. Yeah. So nine points after that. You know, they Lenzer turned down a shot at goal. Saracen turned it over. They get up field, and from a piece a few minutes later, they score that try. They score hmm. that Alex Good try, um, and that comes fairly directly from Leinster not taking a shot at goal. Yeah, and like I understand why. Sexton, you know, the matcher sort of wanting to assert your sort of mm. authority on the game. I understand why they did it because psychologically they were in a hole very quickly in that game. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we're 15 3 down here. Fuck. And, but the reason that they got in the hole that quickly is because Saris took every fucking shot at goal that they were offered, <laughs> even a 65 meter one. Yeah. You know, that was the difference. They outscored Saris two tries to one, but Saris took every single point that they could get their hands on and kept yeah. their heads while Saxon was trying to swing his dick around going for touch. Oh, 
it's just it's poor game management mm. um and is the thing that kind of marked out the the last year and a half under Warren Gatland for Wales was actually they managed that really well. And you look at that yeah. England game last year mm. where it didn't feel necessarily like they were in control, but Wales kept chipping away and they built a lead. Hundred um, percent, yeah, to yeah. Like Corey Corey Hill try, um, you know, where all which was always the plan. Which was always ball. the plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's enough instances of that of just teams being patient. Yeah. And actually backing themselves and believing themselves and thinking actually we're good enough to score when we need to. Mm. We don't need to now. You know, we, we can take three points, we can stay yeah. in the game, we can just keep chipping away. It's such a cliche it's such a cliche, the whole keep the scoreboard ticking over thing. But psychologically yeah. it is massive. Especially yeah. if you know, if you can score a penalty every five or ten minutes, that yeah. puts a huge amount of pressure on your opposition if they're not doing it likewise. Like if if Leicester had kicked two of those three pens, they win that game. Yeah. Even yeah, kicking absolutely. one of them would have made that last 15 minutes where they were just chucking it around inside their own 22 and Saracens oh. just basically sat on the halfway line and went, well, you're not coming through, lads. Yeah. Um, That would have totally changed the complexion of that because, you know, then as soon as you get in their half, there's danger and the potential to win the game. Yeah. And it just, it was such a bad job of game management from a, a player that you know in Sexton as a captain and a fly off who's supposed to but know he, better. The thing is, he's so immature, Jonathan Sexton. You know, for, <laughs> for everything else about him, he is basically if he gets wound up, he is a child. He loses all yeah. sense. He's got no real temperament to him. The moment, the moment he gets angry, and I think the last year because he hasn't been playing that well, he's been angry. And you thought that year where he was well player of the year, deservedly so, he'd finally got over it. But actually, he was just playing well and his team were playing well. Yeah. He, he hadn't dealt with it. It's the classic thing with, you know, a lot of fly-offs and, and all fly-offs, let's face mm. it, are all better when they've got a, a dominant pack and they're on yeah. the front foot all the time. But I think the difference has always been with Sexton is when when his back is to the wall, he doesn't necessarily respond in the most positive way and his head can go. And his head went fucking super early doors on the weekend. And yeah. it, it just... It compounded, and all of the excellent things that he did for the rest of the game mm. were undone by that first four. You know, he was, you know, sort of the second quarter or the third quarter of that game, he played really fucking well. Yeah, and he and he, you know, through his his ability, he brought Sarri, uh, brought Leinster back into it really well. But that first half of just shit in the bed and not really, you know, being in control of the game in any way, shape, or form was ultimately what cost them and it's yeah it does it's I a hard just, thing to watch when it's such a good player yeah to be honest but because you know he's better than that it's kind of my theory that i think leinster a better team with ross burn at 10 in that he is basically yeah. just a conduit for other players around him rather than and that's very much what the system is built on is it's a system a system team rather than a team that's designed yeah to yeah 100 players um and Sexton is too much of an individual. And I think it's about Jordan Lama as well. You know, and I kind of think like, I don't know if you can have that many individual type, you know, like star type players in your team and get away with it when you're as system led as Leinster. And they have got away with it because they're really good players, you know. Um, yeah. But it becomes about the balance of the team almost. And when you think that, you think, oh, well, you want the sense to complement each other. But sometimes it's just, you don't want too many dickheads in your team or too many people with a bit of an ego. Um, not to like Parise level ego, but still an ego about them no and there's still a sort of desire that they're you know to, to, to use our old fucking Adars you know that fuck it I'll do it myself 
impulse is extremely strong with Jonathan Sexton is extremely Mm. strong with Jordan Lama and when it comes off they're fucking unbelievable and they're you know and they are both excellent fucking players you know Sexton still is a fucking unbelievably good player but it's yeah it's it's whether that is to the to the benefit of the 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 hindrance of the team is is a question that I think Leinster will have to ask themselves you know because they've got a lot of those kind of players Henshaw's a little bit of that as well yeah Gary Ringrose is a little bit of that as well it's there's a lot of that back line now that the balance doesn't feel entirely correct for that Mm. kind of for the job that they I think they want to do yeah speaking of Leinster players going full fidim though Jay Ryan who was (laughs) unbelievable like he I mean him and Mario Tosia were the two best players on the pitch oh 100% and, and it was great watching them go fucking oh, yeah. each other. It really yeah. was. Like but, the two best performances I saw this weekend were in the same position in the same game opposite each other. Hmm. They were opposite numbers and they were both unbelievably good. But don't you just love that though when like... Because it was blatantly they both... They feed off the other being brilliant. You know, Itoji yes. uh, has at points in the last couple of years been profoundly irritating to watch as a yes. neutral. Yeah, because he never fucking shuts up. It's constantly, you know, niggly, silly shit. Instead of actually Saturday, he was fucking just perfect. Mm. Yeah, everything he did was right, and he wasn't. Yes. He wasn't being sort of over the top and hyping everything up over the time and clapping everywhere. He was just be. He was head down, fucking eyes on the job, and he just was like the fucking Terminator out there. He was incredible. And he didn't do the other thing that Maratoja sometimes does, which is to just... You know, he sometimes plays a bit like someone that just discovered the concept of professional fouls. And he will <laughs> yeah. give them every given yeah. opportunity yeah, 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 because yeah. he can kill an attack. And he gives away too many penalties he doesn't actually have to give away. And he wasn't doing that at the weekend, no. you know. There was one time when he took a real chance on an offside, and he was onside having looked. And he was onside, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know that that's a that was a risk. He took it. It came off, and he stopped um, the try. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It uh, saved the try. Turned the ball over. Um, everything he did was worth it. Hmm. He was he was incredible. It's it's up there with the best I've ever seen him play. I completely agree. I was I was genuinely in awe of him, and it makes it all the more. You know, it's not really fair on James Ryan to sort of go like, and James Ryan was very good too. But yeah. he like on any yeah. other in any other game, James Ryan is head and shoulders man of the match. Yeah, his physicality, his right. carrying, his set piece work is he hit every fucking ruck imaginable. <laughs> he tackled his balls off, and but Atoje is just a different kind of player and a different uh. species of player. And I don't think you can fucking. When Toje is on one, he's the best lock in the world. He's one of the best players in the world. And, and he was fucking on one on the weekend. Michael Rhodes was the official man of the match. And I don't one think of I've them, ever disagreed with BT Sport for not giving Maratoje man of the match before. They, they gave the man who should have had two red cards man of the match. I mean, I, I'm it, sure he played well. He did play very well. Him, you know, like he wasn't yeah. someone I was going, it was one of those, look how well Michael Rhodes was, is playing. It was one of those classic, uh, I know more about rugby than you do, so I'm going to give the quiet and understated work of Michael Rhodes man of the match instead of just giving it to the best player on the fucking park. 
Yes, the, absolutely. The guy who's head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, yeah, he was incredible. Yeah. Which, I, uh, uh, incredible in a, a, an excellent fucking team, I might add. Yes. Which, yeah. honestly, Saracens as plucky hard-up underdogs. <laughs> that narrative is fucking comical. And it just shows how desperate... English rugby's whole milieu is to just rehabilitate a team that hasn't even served its punishment yet, guys. They haven't even been relegated yet. <laughs> At least let them serve their year before you start trying to sort of rehabilitate them from awful and cheating shits. The the Saracens narrative is that they are the Death Star. You know, they are the team yeah. that everyone hates. They're this <laughs> foreboding force. Don't try to Except make them that, you know, Exactly. Don't 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 reappraise this. Don't do some like Stephanie Mayer shit and tell it from another point of view. <laughs> no one wants that. Like no 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 no. Saracens are the villains. We all embrace that, and I think Saracens yeah. fans are and like, they I've embrace that as well. I've, there's a handful of Saracens fans. I've met them. Yeah yeah. yeah. I've met you all met six. All. Um, yeah. Um, and I've met enough of them that embrace it or that really ignore it. You know. Yeah. Um, I met when I went to the Saracens Ospreys game last year. I met one, there was one guy who was about my age and his younger brother was about maybe 12 or something. Um, and they were really like, just in denial about the fact that people hated Saracens. They were just like, no, no, guys. no, everyone loves us. We're great. Guys. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to break it to you. Guys. But <laughs> well, that's the thing that you just sworn, the way that they were talking about Saris before, during mm. and after that game, you'd swear they'd momentarily swapped squads with the Ospreys or something. Like, yeah. they, oh, they didn't have a chance against Leinster without Owen Farrell, despite the fact they still had a, field, a team with 13 internationals, including five Lions and a World Cup winner from last year. Yeah. Yeah, like, come on. That's still they're literally missing one player, and admittedly that one player might be the best player in the world. Like, there's an argument yeah. for that. Yeah, but still, that's that's not a scrappy underdog team. You look no. at their squad. It's not. It's not like Leinster was exactly, you know, totally oh, full yeah. strength either. You know, they were missing Tyke Furlong, they were missing Dan Levy, Fergus McFadden, Dave Carney, if that counts. <laughs> uh, Adam Byrne. Like nobody seemed to mention that. Like Leinster yeah. were pretty depleted as well because they were too busy talking about Saracens as if the only players they had left were the cast of 2000 Keanu Reeves American Football Comedy Vehicle The Replacements <laughs> you know it's, it's they've won 13 of 20 games this season the only teams that have the teams that won more is Exeter yeah. You know, any anyone who's thinking that they weren't gonna, Leinster weren't going to have to be at their very best to beat them especially after what happened in the Heineken Cup final last year was just clueless and the player that was missed most in that game was Ty Furlong. Oh, 100%. Not Owen that, scrum, that scrum is not on roller skates without... Yeah. That's an with, even with thing. Furlong you there. then take away six or nine of Saracen's points, mm-hmm. which come directly from the scrum. Um, and also, right, that so that Saracen's kick a penalty from the scrum. Yeah. Jonathan Sexton then doesn't play the ball 10 in a really shit restart. One of the worst restarts he's ever done in his career. Yeah, Just really he's done a bad. a lot of them. Yeah. Loads of them. And then obviously Saracen do exactly the same again. And Elliot Daly smashed it from halfway. What were you expecting? <laughs> it's, it's... That's entirely on sex and the shoulders. Yeah. And it's it's just like, I get it. It must be a weird... I get why people are sort of... Like, Sarri's had a point to prove in this game, right? Yeah. And you could make a pretty compelling argument that Sarri's have done nothing but think about this game oh, for yeah. the last eight months, effectively. You know, and once they won their pool back in whenever it was, fucking January, mm. 
all they've, you know, they haven't given a fuck about the Premiership as soon as they got automatically yeah. relegated. They didn't give a fuck. All they cared about has been beating Leinster and proving a point. And, like, I get why people are freaked out about it because it must be weird for an Irish team to come into a game knowing for once it's the other team that's been able to rest players and prepare extensively <laughs> for Europe while you've been worrying about the league for the last fortnight. But they're one of the best teams in Europe. You know, they've got one of the best first 15s in Europe. Still, they've the place the the only place that they've lost strength is the bench, and you look yes. at that. Like it, it did make me laugh when Owen Slot from the Times said that Saris would be down to bare bones without Michael Rhodes. Um, I mean, we could all dream of having such limited resources, but it is you know, the bench does not look as good as it did last year, yeah. where they could bring on Alex Lewington, where they could bring on you know Ben Earl and Max Malins look. and Ben yeah. Spencer. The moment Luke Price is starting for Saracens, then we'll talk. <laughs> exactly. They've already got Alan uh, Davis, they're halfway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, they still get to bring an international nine off the bench. Yeah. You know, their front row doesn't look as good, undoubtedly. Yeah. They they they're definitely missing the and I think, you know, that's why fucking Jamie George went the you know, why the, so many of those forwards went the full eighty. Mm. But are they going to be able to do that again against Racing next week when Racing do have a bench to bring in? Oh. And they're they're very big lads. They're very, very big lads that <laughs> yeah. Racing are bringing off the bench. Plus and they have the insane back line. You know, I don't yeah, think Kirby will be back from his ban, but... But yeah, oh well, they've, they've still got Simon Zebo to play fullback. It's not shit. You know, it's it, there's a lot of... That's... But that's the difference between Sarri's 12 months ago and Sarri's now, is that Sarri's first 15 can still be absolutely anybody. And for one game, they can maybe summon the superhuman effort to be able to play half the team for 80 minutes. But mm. whether they can do that all the way to winning it, I'm not sure. Like, yeah. I just think it's, I don't it's know. a bit I, too far. In my head, we're looking at a Toulouse-Saracens final. Oh, I really um, hope so, because Toulouse would... are the most fun team left. Toulouse are wonderful. I mean, I've, I've got this in good, but Toulouse are the only team who are the team you want them to be from their squad <laughs> listing. 100%. Like, you look at Racing's squad and you go, they're going to be so much fun so. to watch. And, and they'll really have, not. like, two passages during 80 minutes in which they're yeah. fun. You know, yeah. it's like Finn Russell does something yeah. insane and yeah. Kenny Toma, like, suddenly tries um, and Vakatawa gets the ball and all of this. But the rest of the game, they're kind of sluggish and just kind of there. To lose yeah. every minute of every game, they're wonderful. Yeah. Every time yeah. they touch the ball, they're so much fun. And there's an argument to be made that two of the top four or five players in the world currently were the Rouge Noir in, yes. in Chesney Colby and Anto Dupont. And they are just... Oh, my God. When those two are at it, it's... When I see rugby play, played like that, I just... It reminds me of exactly why this is the greatest fucking sport in the world. The stuff oh, that Dupont and Colby were doing on the weekend. I I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to be an Ulster fan watching it, but at the same time, I would have had to just go, yeah. Yeah. Just, Ch- Cheslin's, just at, Cheslin's at it again. Oh, well. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded, to be honest. You know, yeah. if the, that's what you're bit, losing to. I think it's a bit rough that Jacob Stockdale's coming for some dog's abuse as a result of becoming the seven millionth man in history to be made to look very stupid by Cheslin Colby in very short small spaces. Look, okay. If it was the other way around, he was on the other wing and he's made to look stupid by Johan Uge, then yeah, it's a different story. Get the fish. Absolutely then, get then, the fish. then say whatever you like. But and I, that's the other thing I love about Toulouse, right? Is that 
They've got Yoan Ute. They're the complete package. They've got all of these wonderful, got, you know. Yeah. They've, they've then got Yoan Uje, who is an unbelievable prick. Scumbag. Just, one, yeah, one of Roy's true scumbags. But he loves it and plays up a, to it. But in a swarthy pirate kind dick. of way. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then they've also got Thomas Ramos, who is clinically insane. Yep. And will, you know, throw passes between his legs that should have him in prison um, <laughs> on his own dry line when down to 13 men. And is, you know, the, yeah. the thing I've said about Ramos in the video before, that he's the kind of player who... It, he'll sometimes knock the ball on from fullback because he isn't focusing on the high ball. He's daydreaming about the try he's going to score when he catches it. You know, it's kind of try the year content. But that's what I want. That's yeah. what I want. That's what I want for a team that I don't actively support, but I will root for. Like, <laughs> exactly. If I supported them, he would that would drive. I would. I would have no nails left, and I'd probably have had about four <laughs> heart attacks. Yeah. But as a sort of in- inclined neutral, I could just watch it and be like, "Yeah, this is fucking great." I mean the 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 game against La Rochelle the other week. The try that got the attention was. Cheslin Colbert skinning three people because Rightly fair so. enough, Cheslin Colbert yeah. skinning three people. But they scored a try from eleven offloads. Like they had a <laughs> they had a phase in the middle, but they had six I think five offloads on one side and six on the other. Of and it was just it's it's incredible. You know, Joe Takuri as well, who's a lock who can't jump at the line out. Yeah. But is such a massive unit and loves to offload. Every yeah. I love everything about Toulouse. Yeah. I want them to win this competition. Me too, rather than 100%. the Death Star. I want to see I, I just want to see Antonio Dupont's little face <laughs> yeah. as he lifts the Heineken Cup, and it's going to be lovely. Oh, but so good. Tell you what, I would pay good money to rig next season, and rugby sounds like it's riggable from what we've seen this week. So <laughs> um, I want to see pool stages, Bristol yeah. v Toulouse. Yes. I don't care who wins. Yes. I don't yes. care what the score is. I just want to watch those two teams who play rugby okay. in exactly the way it should do just go at it. Hear me out, right? Yeah. Double header. Mm-hmm. Bristol against Toulouse. Yep. Wales against Jamaica. Gavin Henson plays ten for both Bristol and Wales. Oh, oh. oh I mean, Wales online. Wales online will not be happy about that for the count she <laughs> disrespect. But oh, good point. Good point. There's only sixteen fuming <laughs> articles just at me suggesting it. <laughs> Plus on rugby onslaught as well. Obviously. Um, oh, I. I, I want that. I think we then use the proceeds in that record attendance that come to that game to fund the All-Star Weekend. See, it's all lining up. Ever yeah. the stars, they are aligning. Who'd have thought that Gavin Henson would be directly responsible for making the greatest thing in the history of rugby union? Oh, actually, yeah, everybody would have expected that. It's Gavin yeah. fucking Henson. <laughs> he already <laughs> is the greatest thing in the history of rugby union. I mean, yeah. But honestly, it's... I want them to win it so much. I okay. want. I don't care about anything else. I just they deserve it. They're the most fun. I want Bristol to win the Challenge Cup, and then I want to have some sort of Super Cup at the end. Yes, that doesn't please. mean anything, but we just all have fun. Let's yes, everyone have a nice time. We've earned it this year. <laughs> we get to watch as a, enough as a treat, like an 120 just... minute match. So all the players are properly knackered and just offloading everything. But Sammy Radrada still just looks absolutely yeah. unfit. You know, he's just running around in his typical Radrada style. Just he's like not sweating. Not, he's not even sweating. His beard is immaculate. He's just throwing offloads left and right and stepping folk <laughs> at the hundred thirty seventh minute. Oh, he's so good. By which so time, good. John Afoa needs oxygen and a Zimmer frame. <laughs> yes.
<laughs> he's struggling to stand bless him I mean that's him after 40 minutes bless him he's very old he's, he's still very good but he's yeah. very old now I'm still amazed he's playing and I'm genuinely amazed for it. in the same way that it's amazing how much mileage Cardiff got out of Big Nick mm. given that I thought he was past it when they signed him it's yes. it's a similar for John Afoa. It's like when they signed him, I was like, he can't have anything left in the tank, surely. Yeah. Oh, apparently he can. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Um, anything else from the weekend? No, I I stopped signing for a minute because I think we should probably... I'm looking at the time and thinking, actually, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna, we could easily gonna, hit two hours. We're definitely you know, hitting two hours. I've, yeah, made, I've absolutely made my peace with it. We're at 88 minutes, you know, whatever. <laughs> and the only thing I wanted to say is I don't want to live in a world where people pretend the Premiership Rugby Cup means something. Oh, I know, like, yeah. Like, technically, it might be a trophy in the sense that technically I'd be a race car if Lewis Hamilton, Hamilton jumped on my back and rode me around Silverstone. But we need to Jesus, appreciate... Wow. I mean, technically, you know. Yeah. But we need to appreciate that Sale played a squad of internationals, Lions and Springboks in the final of a development competition last night to win their first trophy in 14 years. Guys, you haven't won a trophy. <laughs> you've just You've just turned up. Seriously. It's- it's, if you want to win a Mickey Mouse trophy, to go and win the Challenge Cup like Cardiff, Gloucester, and Harlequins do every couple of years. All right, just don't pretend. Don't pretend this is a thing. Well done and everything, but no. No, exactly. The moment I saw the lineup from that sale team, I thought I'm not watching this game <laughs> because there's kind of you know there's like. And to you know, to be fair, Quinn's played their first team as well, but that's, yeah, yeah, that yeah. shouldn't oh, have yeah. happened. This should yeah. not be allowed. It's you know when they talk about like the integrity of the World Cup or the Six Nations when teams put out second teams against Italy and so uh-huh. yeah it's like the opposite of that you know the integrity of the degree. competition is at stake yeah. when you put out Faf de Klerk in the bloody LV <laughs> yeah. Cup and fucking Danny Solomona no yeah. not allowed Silly. and John O'Ross and you know it's Silly. Like, uh, yeah. no the the rest of the squad that Steve Diamond listened to me down the phone that have watched my video. <laughs> Uh, yeah, congratulations to Sale though. Yeah, massive achievement, guys. Well sure. done. Uh, should we do shit good now <laughs> and then get out of here? Um, shit for me. We might as well start with shit. Um, Lee Halfpenny getting concussed for the sixth time in eight years on the weekend. Yeah. I mean, I love Lee, and that tackle on the weekend was just. Oh, it, it was exactly that noise you just made. It was exactly that. That is the best tackle I've seen in years. Well, yeah, it's, is, per- it's, it's perfectly it's illustrative great tackle. of why he's one of the best fullbacks of his generation and yeah. why he's the best defensive fullback of his generation maybe ever. But, mate, is he, are you going to keep up with this? Fucking six in, six in eight, man. He's 31. He made good coin in too long. You've got to, he's got to start wondering if this is really fucking worth it now. Seriously. Mm-hmm. The next World Cup's a long way away. You know, in theory, 35 isn't too old. Gavin Henson's going to be playing at World Cup at 40, maybe even 44. That might um, be But you've got to, yeah, bless him. You know. I don't, I don't like the look of it. Always, he's that kind of character though, isn't he? He's always going to be relentless. He's always going to be really it. Yeah. And that's what he's, made He's him got a Wilkinsoniness about him, yes. which worries me. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would, I would dearly like Lee Halfpenny to, to think long and hard about his career. And yeah. maybe um, kind of, yeah, but, six in eight is a, not good, man. A player without that mentality doesn't make that tackle. You know, like that was a loss. No, 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 you're and right. Yet he managed to pull off an absolute try saver. The Scarlets then turn over a phase or so later. <laughs> you know, that was yeah. That was, it was it was just such a 
if you wanted to take a picture of Lee Halfpenny's career, yes. it was that. It was wrapping, perfectly wrapping around the ankles like that and bringing down a man that he had absolutely no business bringing down yeah. in that situation. If he'd got him into touch, it's the best tackle of all time. Yeah, like it's, yeah probably. He's, that's, that's the margin. It's yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's He's like an he's inch, right on the fucking he's board a few line. inches yeah. away from making the best tackle anyone's ever seen there. Yeah. Um, other shit news, shittest of shit news, in fact. Uh, Alex Corbusiero revealing he's got cancer yes. again, which is fucking... I mean, the guy's 32, he's younger than me. It's fucking dreadful. Yeah. Um, I think everybody sends their best wishes to him. But, uh, yeah, it's really? shit. Um, any, on a lighter note, any shits from you? That, yeah. I mean, I know I mean, we said I, we were struggling. I had not taken the points. Um, I had uh, Henry Taylor for Northampton, um, who at Scrum Half, who was very bad. Um, there's a point in which he, he, was he just ran really, straight. Honestly, we were talking as we were watching that game, and you voiced everything that I felt, which was just, why is he running sideways there? Yeah. Why the fuck is he running sideways? If he ran in a straight line, he scores. <laughs> he scores. Instead, he began to run sideways. fucking Rhino scores over. that. Yeah, oh, he yeah, tackles like, himself. I score that. He tackles yeah. himself. Like he doesn't. But then, because I already thought, you know, I didn't know much about him before the game. I already thought this lad isn't very good. You know, he is not playing well. <laughs> He's not great. And it's then like, suddenly was, he does that. It was like he was lively in an attempt yeah. to make himself, and he was putting himself about a bit. But none of it was ever very good. So, uh, twice, twice. He passed to someone while they were still jogging backwards into position. Like once they managed to recover it, once it just hit their back. Like, what, do you look? Like that seemed to be his whole thing. I don't he just think doesn't he did. look before he does things. He doesn't think at all. Like he's got no kind of no 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 filter on his brain. He just goes, "There's a gap there. I'm going to go." For, oh, I made you know. He probably looked up and saw there's space on the wing. I can probably make it there without there's the space right in front <laughs> of right you. Look forward. Run there. <laughs> Maybe yeah, he's got he some sort not. of weird vision thing where he can only see, like he's got a chameleon or something. He's, yeah, his I was eyes say, he's like a chameleon. Po- <laughs> yeah, he's like a, road, a, a lizard of some sort. Uh, um, going to the, the twits then, um, quite a few uh, mentions Ian Alexander, uh, Linda Mason saying shit is the referees that have been picked for the Champions Cup semi-finals. Um, it's Nige for Rassing Saracens and Andrew Brace for the other one. Andrew Brace had a good couple of weeks, I think, though. You know, he's, he's had a decent couple of weeks, final, and he's but all I, right this week. But I, I tell I you get what, I, I, I've got you know when you you know when you look at a player and you think he's got a mistake in him. <laughs> yes. That's how I feel about Andrew hey, Brace. Uh, he's had a he's had a brace of good games. Um, hey, he's hello. He's not called Andrew Hattrick. Um, other shits. Uh, a lot of people saying shit is the. Um, Ultra Laporte situation. Uh, yes. Keith Taylor says shit. Uh, apparently, when three Pro Fourteen teams make it, teams make it into the Champions Cup semis, it's because the league is uncompetitive. And now, when no teams make the semis, it's because the league is uncompetitive. <laughs> yes, there will always yeah. be. There's always a reason why something has happened, and it's always the Pro 14's fault. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's just how it is. I'm afraid. Like the, <laughs> the reason Scarlets and Dragons lost on the weekend is the Pro 14's fault, apparently, because they haven't had yeah. a game in three weeks. When Bristol have played about 17 games in that period, so how is that any more of a benefit? But and Toulon are only two weeks into their season. Like, just stop blaming the league, everybody. Start no. blaming no, your I, own shit performances. I think it's entirely fair. Um, I don't think there's anything in the world that is not ultimately the Pro 14's. I think you probably do this. You probably 
you know, yeah. work everything down. Global warming, Pro 14's yeah. fault. Absolutely. Um, like if they, you know, it's th- those Brexit, parts of Africa. Absolutely. Brexit, absolutely Pro 14's yeah, yeah. fault. Again, that could Irish not be more. Losing in Europe, led to yeah, you know, we all saw we all saw how many people in Wales voted for Brexit. You know, it's all the Pro 14's fault. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, shit, uh, Anna says, people who don't watch the Pro 14 bitching about the Pro 14, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. And shit, shit is, last season still going on. It's nearly October and nobody actually cares what happens. I, yeah. I just, How, give uh, us that Saracens to lose final and then be done. Yeah, just fucking That's steal, all I care fast track those two teams and um, I'm happy, man. I don't give a fuck. Like... <laughs> It's yeah. just, it is. It's gone on a very long time now, and it doesn't really feel real, does it? No, like, I, yeah. Like the Pro 14 final didn't feel like a final. That didn't feel no. like an occasion. You know? And the Pro 14 starts in two weeks. Yeah. Fixtures and the fixtures tomorrow. are out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, uh, Andy oh. Niven said, shit is Roman Poit's cough. Yes, Jesus yes. Christ. What yes. the fuck? Um, <laughs> it, it's just... Just, just, uh, just give uh, that I guy want... a fuck. Just give that guy oh, a fucking yeah. cough, sweet. Seriously, <laughs> like by like the third serious coughing fit, you started to wonder, didn't you? The first yeah. time it was funny, it was like funny joke, but then and then it's like, oh my god, going. is this guy ill? And <laughs> should he be spreading his droplets all over the pitch? Uh, my one other shit is from that game, uh, which is Damian Penno's lack of urgency. So he makes that great break. He's <laughs> yeah. running for. And then he's got, you know, a 50 meter run in and Mm. he jogs it. And then in the end, Simon Zebo catches him and he only starts sprinting for the last five meters when he realizes he's going to be caught. (laughs) If he sprints that in and puts it down between the posts, Claremont are within seven and can win the game. There's two minutes to go. Instead, he just doesn't care. He's just like, but but would you you want to really watch a a Damien Pinot that gave a fuck? That's a good point. He's always in one, he always gives too many or not enough. He either just doesn't care and he's too casual, or he's screaming and shouting at everyone, like you know, linesmen, ball boys, literally everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, but yeah, I wouldn't change him and his beautiful hair. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, should we move on to good then? Let's. Um, good. I mean, I've just been very obvious here and said Semi Randranda and Maruatoje. We've both spoken yeah. about those already. Um, you got any goods? I mean, Before we delve into the emails and Harpenny's tackle, um, yes. Ashton Hugh and Aaron Wainwright were both very good for the Dragons. I thought they they genuinely were in a losing yeah. cause, um, and consistently so. You know, right through to the end of the game, uh, they were both very very good. And Ashton Hugh remains like a perpetual good for Twitter and everything. Uh, yeah, he absolutely refuses. He absolutely food. refuses to not to take any shit, which I really enjoy. Um, yeah. Reese Knott says, uh, "Good is Rory McConaughey versus Ollie Thorley, uh, Thorley, fuck me, and uh, Will Stewart versus uh, Val Rapalva Ruskin. Uh, shit is that it's kicking off at half five, so I won't even be time in time from work to watch it. Honestly, these in the you know middle of the week Premiership games that they've got going on. Why do they have to kick off at f- stupid times? Why can't they just kick off at seven? Yeah, and I consistently don't know they're on until I open Twitter and see it's the same. I go, oh." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Bath Bath have beaten Gloucester by the way tonight. Yeah. Uh, they came back from twenty points to three down to win. Uh, what was the final score? Thirty-one twenty. So yeah, that's gone well for Gloucester again, isn't it? Oh, yes. Gloucester. 
guys, guys. Uh. Elsewhere in good. Uh, I mean, from Australia, Nola Laseo, the young fly half, mm. 20, just turned 20. Fantastic in the final. You know, every yeah. touch seems to do something. Uh, the moment the Brumbies get ahead as well, he just drops a goal, which I love. Mm. You know, yeah. great game management. Um, he's excellent. And I'm really excited by the thought of Australia being good again with him, you know, O'Connor and him as 10. Me too, actually. Yeah. And I It'll kinda, be fun. Yeah. I've kind of got myself in the way I was when Rassi took over the spring box, kind of quietly rooting for them. You know, quietly, really? yeah, yeah, I yeah. want them to be good again. You know, I, I want so them shit. to be a threat. Rugby is better when Australia are decent. Exactly, I think that's yeah. kind of the big teams need to be okay. Otherwise, rugby is, is a bit diminished as a result. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Um, the other thing, just linked to what I was saying about South Africa, good this Springboks trial game. Yes, very where, excited about this. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited as a prospect anyway. I'm even more excited for the fact that they've named a squad of 50 players, mm-hmm. and from there, they've got Razzy Erasmus, a Jack Nine beater, to, <laughs> to do a schoolyard style. I'll pick him, I'll pick him, I'll Amazing. pick him, I'll pick Ugh. him. Take it in turns, as it should be done. You know, none of this oh. like Formula Way was worked out when they did this a few years ago. None of this northeast south yeah. nonsense. No, yeah, none, none no, of this. No, no. Oh, we're not going to call them probables versus possibles because that implies no, no, no. We're literally yeah. going to make sure that the last man picked knows very well that he's the worst player <laughs> in the squad. Absolutely, <laughs> and I love the fact that to bring it up to fifty, there's a couple of like thirty plus year olds that play for the Cheaters, lovely, who've never got a Springbok squad. But yeah, I want, I want to see them. I want, I want to see them. I want them put their hands up for a Springbok yeah. place. They will go hammer and tongues at these training Fucking sessions. Right, they will. It's going to be great i'm so excited for that i i want to watch like a live stream of of razzy and Jacques picking their teams me too i i want that more than the actual game you know the game itself <laughs> is going to be fun but i want to see i want to know who razzy picks first does he go me with too. police yeah, yeah. does he go with piece of the toys well does he yeah. go with that cheslin you know yeah there's there's a lot of options there's not a lot of lock options but there are a lot of options <laughs> Well, that's uh, it I'd leave my locks to last because no matter who you get out of those World Cup winning four you're sorted you're gold yeah. you know you're doing although well. Etzebeth and uh, Diaga are both injured aren't they so oh, of course yeah you are, do you go for the two half decent locks or do you, do you go for do you do you get one each do you you know at what point do you go for the locks it's sort of like you know it's, it's just it's, it's if you, the only way this could be better is if it was done in the style of supermarket sweep <laughs> yes, yes. All please. the players are sat on shelves in a supermarket. Yes, he's got a massive fucking trolley, and he, and Ryland's there, and he's got a minute and a half to get around. And he's yes, just, he's just yes. Sho- he's just shoveling wingers in. He doesn't care. He's totally lost his fucking mind. He's got eight wingers and no props, but he's just gonna have to okay. make the best of it. This is the warm-up for the All-Star Weekend. This fucking is, this we is how take the, team, the two coaches no, this the, is the fucking the teams that are picked for the All-Star Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> supermarket Sweep. With like a little like grog of the players on the shelves. They can take and claim. No, I think the players need to be sat with their like <laughs> knees, their knees up around their, their yeah. ears and they just have to sort of fall into the trolley. It's got to be a big trolley. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, they're big lads. But, but the, you tell, tell, you tell me, oh, see, that's that's why you've got to be focused on these. You know, the, the trolley dash <laughs> is the most important part. He just sees the flush of yellow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've bought a pineapple. Oh shit! 
Oh, uh, anyway, let's just round out some more goods before we go. Um, Patricia says, good, that Toulouse backline. I have deep, deep feelings for it. I think we, we all have deep, deep, deep feelings for it. Uh, Stu says, Darcy Graham clowning four players in five metres of space and then offloading to Hoyland for that try. Yes, yes. that was fucking excellent. Yes. For all of the... I feel like if Cheslin hadn't done what Cheslin had done mm. this weekend, a lot more people would be talking about Darcy Graham. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that was probably the second best Ooh. thing that somebody did that this weekend, yeah. probably. Yeah, it was fantastic. Mm. Um, Speaking of impressive ooh things, yeah. um, this is good for me, but <laughs> yeah. really it kind of falls direct. It's good because it falls directly into a mid-category between shit and good, mm. um, which is George Furbank, who, of course, as I think I said last time, is very much in my team, my favourite category of players, which are average fullbacks. Yeah. which are like bog standard fullbacks who do the job of a 15, but no more, no less. Like are entirely fine. They Full call five yeah. caps before they yeah. disqualify from the team. Yeah. yeah. Um, at one point during that game, he puts in a pinpoint cross kick that lands exactly on the game line. The winger regathers it and they make zero meters off it. <laughs> and I put that spot on. That's, that's exactly that's what the, I want from yeah. my favorite breed. I want you to do something good that has absolutely zero net gain. Exactly. That's, that's... Perfect. <laughs> oh, um, David Pritchard said, good, uh, with a, an E in brackets, very clever, was Alex's yeah. performance stepping at 10 against Leinster. Why doesn't he have more caps? It is genuinely one of the greatest mysteries of modern rugby is why successions of England coaches have not liked the look of Alex Good because he is fucking decent. He, just, he isn't Eddie Jones' type of fullback, which no, makes sense, he, and I get it, because... At the same time, as but he could be Eddie Jones's reserve ten. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like he's such a versatile player. But maybe this, I don't know. This is something that, and it's not just him. The successive England coaches, Lancaster didn't particularly like the look of him either. Lancaster played him for a while, and then he had kind of a drop in form, didn't he? And mm. then he, but then he, he got good again. And he still didn't pick him, so I don't know. Yeah, he was sort of wedded to Mike Brown at that point. Yeah, he had one of those kind of iconic nights out, Alex. <laughs> He and then just Stuart Lancaster was like, we're not doing this again. We're not. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is, <laughs> this is Northern style coaching. <laughs> uh, um, on that note, on the note of Northern style coaching, we should probably uh, bring this, these ceremonies mm. to 106 minutes, according to my timer, which is, okay. is, is pretty good. Yeah. I think it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. That's Sorry, like a solid feature we, film there. Yeah. We don't even need to talk about you know, Tiff Eden this week. Let's Probably. not. Let's not. Let's not discuss Tiff Eden again. <laughs> Robbie, he'd rather it, we didn't. I think he definitely would. I think we've done enough damage there, haven't we? <laughs> uh, Robbie, it's been an absolute pleasure as ever. Likewise. Um, I thoroughly hope that... It's, what, what rugby is on this weekend? Is it the fucking semi-finals, the semifinals already? Semifinals, Jesus, yeah. it's all coming thick and fast, isn't it? Um, so yeah we've got some I mean there's rugby on now there's rugby on tomorrow there's rugby all the time wall to wall rugby Um, so yeah enjoy your week of wall to wall rugby I certainly will listeners enjoy your weeks enjoy your wall to wall rugby we shall catch up with you next week take care thank you bye Sports Social Podcast Network 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.